All right, guys, welcome back to this week of flag hunting. Uh, I am Ian with our boy Chris, as per usual. Um, and obviously on the feed this week, if you guys have been used to a couple shows a week for the last six months plus, unfortunately, just the one this week, uh, the PJ Tour, obviously with the Tour Championship last week, uh, done with the official 2023 season, the golfing calendar flips to 2024 in mid-September. Uh, so that's a couple weeks away till the Fortinet Championship in Napa. But until then, obviously, plenty to talk about in the world of NASCAR. Uh, with the start of the NASCAR chase for the cup playoffs. I, I don't really know what they're called at this point, but when I was going up there, the chase for the cup, um, and obviously a lot to talk about with Daytona, the final cutoff race of the, of the regular season, two big names, I would say um, not in the mix for this year's uh, for this year's championship. So last year we kind of had the, the drama with Blaney and Truex down the stretch in Daytona. Obviously Austin Dillon secures the final playoff spot. Um, in last year's fall race this year, um, we do get a playoff driver winning, but Chase and Bowman needed a bit more help than that. They needed obviously to win. Uh, so only two of the four HMS drivers in the playoffs. Crazy stories. I know, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of had Chase shoot in, both casual NASCAR fans and betters had Chase shoot in um, as, you know, it was almost inevitable as he was going to make it. So now Tuesday night comes around leading into Darlington and uh, at least in the, in the driver's standing chase Elliott uh, with a zero position chance of winning this year's championship. So Chris, uh, fallback off Daytona, uh, obviously car doesn't go according to plan, but I know it, I mean, it's, it's just tough with super speedways. It felt like Blaney had a really good car there. Uh, he crashes out like right uh, at the end of stage two and uh, felt like we were all around the lead of the end there. Just could not get around that 17 car. So, um yeah man talk about your your night with daytona the whole weekend um and then maybe some some thoughts going into the playoffs yeah so i guess um to kind of start the conversation off is um i guess the, so the guys we had right so we had blaney who he made his way to the lead looks good he felt really good about his car even after after he gets out of the car and and um they're talking to him once he gets out of the medical center yeah. He basically says, you know, like I was able to come from the back to the front and that's something that's really hard to do in this new package. So you can tell he felt really good about his car. That's just super unfortunate where Bell gets the tie, tie gets loose, comes down to Blaney and then Blaney absolutely creams the wall. I don't know if you've seen people have put side by sides of that actually was almost identical to how Dale senior died before the, uh, safer barriers. Yeah. Um, so just a hit like that you don't want to see. So glad to see that he's okay. Um, yeah, so obviously Blaney, that one, um, we didn't really see how it was going to pan out. I know that didn't pan out for, for Phil either in the uh, in our draft from last week. That was his QB. So tough there all the way around. Uh, Brad, I feel like you know Brad. Brad was Braden, right? Like at Super Speedways, yeah. like he was he was pretty much around. I mean, there was times where he dropped back like, very early in the race. He dropped back to the very back. He was he just wasn't feeling. It. He dropped back, but just like Brad does, made his way back in the front and very much in the mix there at the end. If you would have asked me a week ago. Hey, Brad's in second place coming around turn three and four. I'd have been like, okay, what price do you want to give me? Cause he's going to win that race. Like right. I was, I did not as much as other people I probably agree. I don't think anyone expected him to just easily push the 17 to victory like that. But I will say to his defense, if he does pull out a line, chase was coming there at the end. Chase really gave it a big effort. He on the outside or the inside lane there to finish fourth. Um, so yeah, um, trying to think of other guys in the car. Almirola. Almirola's in the mix pretty much all day long. Um, I, I know that uh, I listened to the uh, Denny Hamlin's podcast and Dorf were clear a little bit earlier, and both Denny and Denny, uh, 
Bubba Spotter, Freddie Kraft were both saying like they were sweating the 10. Like that was the main, like Bubba kept asking up, up, updates, like where's the 10, where's the 10? Because that was, he felt like that was the biggest threat to him get kicked out of the playoffs if Eric was able to win. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's super, super sweet, right? So to have that many tickets kind of in the mix, right? We had, you know, two right there at the very end. Uh, we had one wreck out, one of the favorites wreck out early. Um, Stenhouse made it to the front at one point and then he gets caught into a wreck. So, uh, as yeah. he does, right? Yeah. Uh, but I guess just to kind of wrap this all up, right? What a day for Chris Busher, man. I, I kind of, we were talking about this earlier in our, in our group chat about futures and we talked about it two weeks ago. I don't know that Chris Buescher has a weak track right now. Like, I don't – I trust him everywhere. I think I do. Like, road courses, super speedways, high tire wear intermediates, short tracks, short flats. Like, he can get it done just about anywhere. I, Ian, I think you were right two weeks ago. We probably should have bid that 25-to-1 ticket, and we didn't. Um, I, I, he's he's amazing. And, and to kind of cap this all conversation all off, right, like, I know this is not something that we really like to do, and I don't want to boast as if, like, I, I placed a ticket because I didn't place a ticket at the end of the day, but – we, we were hoping to have a live ad in that race and that was the full intention. And I got a little too cute and I told you guys with like 30 laps to go, I really like the 17 and the 20. I think those are the two guys I want or one of those two guys I want, but I want to see how pit road shakes out. I waited, I waited, odds came down, never came back up. And I, we didn't get to put the Busher ticket in. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that's just, that's just the way super speedways go. I will say Chase and Bowman, man, I, I was kind of, Staying away from them in the outright market for some reason. I don't know why. I just thought that if you push that hard, it's just going to lead to disaster. Like, I just didn't really have a lot of trust in them. But they really gave it a real big shot there at the end. I was, I was like, man, they, they actually might have a shot at this. Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much most of my thoughts. I feel like that was pretty much the guys you saw up front. The guys that we had in our ticket, I felt good about. I would probably do it all over again. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think overall the race was – it was entertaining, right? I mean, like I think at points people they were just kind of riding riding around, but we got we had some we had some big wrecks. We had, I mean, thank God Ryan Priest is okay. Like that was probably the one of the worst wrecks I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, Daytona is Daytona. It's it's a lot of fun. It was a heck of a race. It's the perfect race for the end of the season. Um, so you know, we're coming out 0 for 12 on the outrights, but you know, that's just part of super speed race. That's what we do. I actually went back and looked at uh kind of how we're looking at this year at Super Speedways, and we're, we're basically breaking even at Super Speedways, which for going all outrights is, is pretty good. So Yeah. I mean, we hit Atlanta early in the year. Did we hit uh, – did we hit – no, we didn't hit Daytona. We hit one at Talladega? Because we hit Lagano. Or actually, we've only – yeah. I think ahead. we've only hit Atlanta, but I think we hit – we had like a huge week because we hit like props oh. and stuff. We had like a few props, like big big money props, like LaJoy, Top Chevy, yeah. and something else. So it was like a plus 40 unit week. And we had uh, we had Bowman pull at the, at the 500 too. I remember we kicked off the season pretty well um, with that. So Bowman pull plus now right that'll that'll do yep, it. So yep, yep. Um, yeah, I mean at the end of the day we had a second and a third place, um, which is really all you can ask for. Like Chris said, I mean part of I mean if you're gonna approach it from what's a pure gambling standpoint, I mean basically your only goal in Daytona is to enter the final restart because there typically is one with one of you know, with one or two guys in the first two rows, we had Kozlowski number all. I felt really good heading to the last restart. Um, and then, you know, Kozlowski obviously just content to push the 17 instead. Um, but man, yeah, Ford's just continue to be the class of the field at these plate races. It's just, it's unbelievable. I, t- I said it a couple of times when we were doing our, our draft with Phil last week about, I was kind of take, I felt like I was taking a bit of a risk 
um, going for some big names in the Chevy Toyota camp uh, between Chase and Hamlin and all that. And it ended up costing me, I think I finished the last of the three of y'all because guys like Keselowski and Busher and Alvarola, um, Logano was up there as well. So it just felt like the Fords are, are the safest entity at these races, if, if that's even a possibility. Um, and I was honestly, frankly surprised that there wasn't more big crashes. Uh, I know Priest was a, a scary one, uh, but I wouldn't really classify that as like a, it was basically a two car incident with him, Briscoe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the only big one was, was with the leaders, right? With, um, Blaney and Ty Gibbs, and Ty Gibbs collecting a, you know, cavalcade of other cars behind them. So with how aggressive guys are having to be, with it being the last race of the regular season, guys fighting for stage points, we saw much more three wide than I remember in mm-hmm. years at Daytona or even even Talladega for that matter, um, and especially Atlanta. So, I mean, for the for the amount of times they were three wide, I I felt like uh, we got definitely the less than the median amount of cautions you would expect in a race like that. So props to the guys for keeping it clean. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a sick finish, um, which, I mean, you're pretty much always going to sign up for a plate race. These guys aren't going to, aren't going to win going away. So um, one more, obviously plate race it in the playoffs at Talladega coming up in a few weeks, but um, yeah, that brings us to the final stretch. Uh, we just got done with the FedEx cup playoffs for the PGA tour. Now we enter the NASCAR playoffs round of 16 starts this week in Darlington, um, real quick, I'm just going to list the 16 playoff drivers. So these are the 16 guys that still have the potential to win the driver standings uh, from 1 to 16. Obviously, William Byron is the one seed in the playoffs despite losing the uh, regular season championship. I think just because he's won five times, uh, he gets that boost up to 2,036 points. He's actually tied with Martin Truex at 2,036, who won the regular season championship. Denny Hamlin comes in third with 25 playoff points. Uh, Chris Busher comes in in the fourth spot with 21 playoff points. Uh, Kyle Busch is fifth with 19. Kyle Larson, sixth with 17. Seabell, Christopher Bell, 14 playoff points in seventh. Ross Chastain in eighth uh, with 11 playoff points. Brad Kozlowski with 10. Tyler Reddick with nine. Logano and Blaney, the Penske teammates with eight in 11 and 12. And then the, the four that would be out as of right now, obviously with three races to go in this round. Michael McDowell with seven playoff points. Ricky Stenhouse with five. Uh, Kevin Harvick with four and Bubba Wallace starting fresh at 2000, uh, which would be basically the baseline 36 points behind uh, Byron and Truex with three races to go on the round. So when you look forward to the schedule uh, that we have for the next three races, because you know, it's, it's very much a round by round proposition. The NASCAR very much survive in advance three races at a time. Um, and we are going to have Darlington, Kansas and Bristol in this round, which is, I mean, three really top tier tracks. I think, I think in terms mm-hmm. of, Pure racing. Um, this is probably the most entertaining of the three. Um, between yeah, Kansas has been phenomenal for the last two years since the next gen came out. Obviously, Darlington classical track. We love Darlington and Bristol. Um, like one of the per- most perfect cutoff tracks you could ever imagine. So, when you think about those three uh, tracks, Chris, and you think about the the maybe the bottom half of guys, I don't know what the, the I don't know what the what history tells us in terms of like guys that are seated five, six, seven, eight in terms of like their safety and making it, how much of a buffer that it really is. It doesn't seem to feel like very much, but is there someone that really kind of catches your eyes being in danger? Um, either, you know, the guys that are already down in the bottom half of the playoff standings, or maybe one of the top guys uh, that you're particularly worried about over these next three weeks. Yeah. So I think, um, well, first I want to start by saying I heard a really interesting comparison today that I, I never heard before, and it was interesting that I heard it on a NASCAR podcast. Uh, but I think it ties perfectly into flag hunting. 
Um, but Denny actually on his podcast, he did like a little short NASCAR 101 session just to try to, you know, explain things about NASCAR in a, in a very basic standpoint um, to maybe new fans or people that maybe are confused by the playoff system because it's not the most easy to understand playoff system. Yeah. But the way what he actually compared it to was the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, basically, you're coming in with with staggered strokes, basically, right? So based on how you did in the regular season, you get you get more points awarded to you to start with. And then once we finish these three races, it kind of resets back to what you earned in playoff points. So um, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting that he compared it to that. So, uh, but that's a perfect comparison, right? Like, I mean, we're basically having staggered strokes to start the first round. Um, so if I start away from the bottom of who I don't think is going to make it through, which I think is what you asked, right? Yeah. I mean, just guys in general that you, you find yourself worried about in terms of yeah. just this round. So I think, Man, as much as we bet this guy this year, I'm a little worried about Kevin Harvick. Um, these these tracks don't fit into his narrative. I mean, maybe Bristol, but like Bristol, it's so hard to pass. You've got to qualify well, well there, and we haven't really seen Harvick be a, a, a top five qualifier really all year long. Yeah. Um, so, man, I hate to say that because like I I see like 25 to one tickets out there on Harvick that's available, and like we've said all along, like all he has to do is make it to Phoenix, and he's good. I think if he makes it to his first round, he's dangerous. But this first round's scary, and yeah. the fact that he's only got four playoff points, I don't think I really ever took that into into a, into account. Like that's he's got to overcome a lot there. Um, Stenhouse, I think is Stenhouse McDowell. I think are kind of givens. Like I like hats off. Like round of applause. Like you guys had fantastic seasons. I'd like even just making the playoffs for a one and two car operations is is awesome. Um, so. Great season for those both them. I but I just I don't see a path for them. There's no super speedways for Stenhouse. There's no road courses for McDowell. Uh, Stenhouse does run good at uh, Bristol as well. But again, do we really expect the 47 car to qualify in the top 10? Probably not. So I think yeah. those are kind of shoe ins. Um, notice I haven't mentioned Bubba <laughs> uh, yeah. because I actually think these next two weeks are really good for Bubba. Uh, like actually, really Bubba Reddick. 11. 2311 in general, really. Yeah, I was going to say. The Toyotas, really, I guess, is yeah. like these next two weeks, like, are their bread and butter. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about some of these guys in a little bit, but like, I think if you're the 23 team, making it through the two road courses in the super speedway with everybody chasing you down, getting through, you have to think that they had this race circled as like, hey, this is the next race where we really think that we can go out there and, and compete. So, you know, I think Bubba can surprise some people. Like he got a lot of shit. I mean, he always does, but he got a lot of shit on Twitter uh, for like um, advancing, and, and NASCAR was kind of like beefing him up for like, wow, he he advanced, congratulations! And everyone was in the comments just, it's just accessible. Don't, don't, don't go in above, yeah, don't go in above Wallace's mentions ever. Um, but I actually feel good about Bubba's chances to get through, um, which then brings in like a guy like. Blaney, Logano, yeah, Chastain. Um, I mean, yeah. these guys are only separated by like three points. So, I think that's where the fourth driver that gets knocked out is one of those three. Got one of those three, uh, two Fords and a Chevy right there. But yeah. the inconsistencies of all three of those drivers. I think if you're Joey, you've got to be circling this week, Darlington. If you're Blaney, you've got to be circling Bristol. Uh, yeah. If you're Ross, this week, I guess, right? I mean, like he was fast here in the spring, but like. I don't expect them to be fast at Kansas or Bristol. So, um, and, and, and really all it takes is to be this low in the standings among everybody else. You can't be, you have to be consistent, but you can't have a bad week. Like you can't have a, a pit road blunder. You can't have a, 
um, pit road penalty. You can't be dumb and get into the wall and cost yourself a day. Like you've just got to be like consistent. And I don't know that any of these guys really give me any, any confidence. So I think if I'm going to pick my four drivers right now, it's probably Kevin, Ricky McDowell. And I think I'm going to say Ross. I'm going to be honest. Wow. So, so Ross would have to be passed by Kozlowski, Reddick, the Jupensky guys and Bubba. Uh, which isn't very many points, I guess, for like one bad race from Ross, and all of a sudden right. he's in the chopping block. So um, it is jarring to see like the eighth seed driver, like is one that you would categorize to be the most in danger. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the playoff standings are, are what they are, and it's nice to be as far up as you can. But when it comes down to it, you have eleven, you have eleven playoff points, and the guy behind you on the chopping block has seven. The thirteen seed yep. has seven. So like yep. legit, that's what four positions that that. Uh, yeah. Could ultimately make the difference. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Obviously, <clears throat> with I mean, and it's, it's it's also not unheard of that like if you go back and look in the last few years, there's been a top eight driver miss out in the first round. Um, so it does happen. Well, there you, there you go. That was that was kind of my next question. The historical markers on that. Um, but yeah, we definitely not seen the type of life out of that one car that we saw earlier this summer. So, um, yeah, obviously a lot on the line uh, here on Darlington. Obviously, Chris and I have a special attachment to this track. Is the last time uh, NASCAR raced at Darlington. We not only were there, but hit a winner in person, um, which is a lot more than I can say for my golf um, experiences in person. As like I have pretty much experienced nothing but heartbreak <laughs> on Sunday going to the golf tournaments. Uh, but Chris, me, and the boys uh, cashed the nice William Byron uh, 10 to 1 uh, here at Darlington. And now, obviously, another shot here. At probably the more uh, the the more marquee of the two Darlington races that we have on the schedule, this is a cookout Southern 500 uh, for a lot of NASCAR fans. One of the crown jewels, I think, on the schedule. So only fitting that it starts uh, the playoff run here. So I will get out of the way. Let Chris talk about um, maybe our second home track, uh, home away from home, if you will, uh, for those of us in Charlotte, uh, just a couple hours down the road in Darlington, South Carolina. But uh, yeah, Chris, go and talk us through one of the more classical designs on the NASCAR circuit and we'll get into the odds board uh, directly after that. Yeah. And I was just trying to do a quick research, but real quick, just go back to last year. And actually, ironically, this was not on purpose. Uh, it actually was Harvick that missed out in the first round last year, uh, the same three tracks. And he had, uh, he had, I'm pretty sure more playoff points last year because he had a win. Yeah. Two wins, two wins. So the thing, the thing with Harvick as well, that when, when we talked about him like early in the season, when we did the Harvard versus Busher discussion or whenever that was, yeah, I think Harvick at that point was like fifth or sixth in the standings because he'd, he'd stacked a couple of nice results. And we haven't really seen any life, I feel like, since uh, since RFK kind of took the mantle as the second best four team, maybe the best four team, actually, now that I think about it. Um, in that and, I don't know if, and I don't know if you watched any post-race coverage at all, at all but uh, they interviewed Kevin Harvick after the race, which he had a good finish. Like, he finished top ten, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they asked him, like, how you feeling going into the playoffs next week? And he gave them most, like, like I have no confidence answer I've ever heard in my life. He was like, "Yeah, no, well, I guess we'll just see," you know. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, well, I guess when your when your teammates are twenty third, thirty first, and twenty sixth in the standings, you're probably gonna have that kind of uh, outlook. Not have been exactly the best of years for um for that SHR camp, but uh, yeah. yeah, obviously a Harvick win would be, I think, good uh, for the sport. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Lauded, lauded by a lot of NASCAR fans that I know. Uh, and then, you know, as we've said, if you let this guy hang around, all of a sudden you get to the to the final race and he becomes he becomes a favorite. So 
uh, something to monitor if, if Harvard can show a bit of life. But yeah, I would definitely agree with you in terms of uh, projecting forward. The, maybe the five, the first four eliminated. He's definitely one of the four uh, on the chop block. So, all right, let me get Darnold. I'm sorry, I just had to back up what I was trying to stay here. Uh, all right, so uh, we are off. Yeah, obviously, like Ian just said, we're off to Darnold, South Carolina. Uh, only, oh gosh, what was it, Ian? Like two hours, two and a half yeah. hours south of us, or south of me now. Um, but uh, yeah. The really fun racetrack, if anyone does live close to this, especially playoff race, Southern 500, this is a crown jewel race in my eyes uh, at, a, at the second oldest track in NASCAR. So, um, yeah, I would suggest anybody go to it. The Lady in Black, the, tra- the track too tough to tame. It's it's a fun one. It's a really good track. Uh, but it's a 1.36 unique intermediate high tire asphalt track for anyone that's not familiar with it. Um, you know, this is this is the track that you like to cap, right? If you're a capper, because we're going to see tire wear. You can't, if we get a late caution, it's not going to be, oh crap, who's going to stay out or who's going to take two tires? No, you've, you're coming in, you're getting four tires if you want a chance at winning this race. Um, and uh, it's really important too, because we we saw in the spring race, and we'll, we'll probably hint at this a few times tonight, is it was hard to pass in the spring. So qualifying was, was ultra important. Clean air was ultra important. Um, so that's going to be something that I, I factor in tonight. Um, I do have some bets clicked in. So, um, yeah, but from a data standpoint, obviously, since it's differently shaped, it's high tire wear, it doesn't have a one-to-one comparison to another track. So the secondary tracks we can compare to are um, Auto Club and Homestead. That's mainly just based off of the tire wear factor. Um, you can, I wish I did this in the spring as well, but I did sprinkle in a little bit of Kansas because um it has that tire well tire wear element to it I've, i think kansas maybe not a high tire wear element but kansas is developing a little bit of a mid tire wear um i also look at dover just from this from the stat standpoint that it's uh asphalt and also high tire wear high tire wear and then we are using a tire code um that has been used at uh so we've already mentioned auto club we've already mentioned kansas but it's also been used at vegas and pocono so um, I am bringing in those two tracks from a tire code standpoint. And then something to note just for later, we're going to use this same combination um, at, oh God, did I not snip that part? I meant to snip that part. Homestead. Yeah, we're going to use it at Homestead. That's what it is. Um, so we will, this will be a, a race that we'll be able to look back to because it's a playoff race. It's a very big data point um, and a, a very similar track type here. So um, yeah, um, obviously we can look back at, a lot of what we saw this in the spring. Uh, the one thing that does make this race a little tougher to cap um, is that a lot of these tracks that I've mentioned, we saw a long time ago. Like we haven't seen, other than Pocono, we haven't really seen any of these tracks in over two months. Uh, so um, we could see very different things here this week, uh, but we're going to really rely on the data points that we do have and maybe the Dawson history as a whole. Um, so um, from a... Schedule standpoint, we got practice at Saturday at 1230, qualifying to follow typically about 120, 130-ish. And then the race is actually Sunday night under the lights um, in Dodge, South Carolina. So interesting that practice and qualifying is actually not the same time of the day. Um, something to also kind of to kind of think about. Um, but yeah, after putting all the model together with all those comp tracks, obviously the, all the usual stuff, right? we got the Darnton history for the last eight races, their career, the last two years of the next gen, um, the average finish, average qualifying at the comp tracks, total speed, driver rating, loop data, uh, and obviously the last six races this year, driver and average finish to kind of get that momentum factor. Um, so the top 10 in the model, with that all being said, is number one, Denny Hamlin, number two, William Byron, 
Number three, Martin Truex. Number four, Christopher Bell. Number five, Kyle Larson. Number six, Tyler Reddick. Number seven, Kevin Harvick. Number eight, Brad Keselowski. Number nine, Joey Logano. And number 10, Kyle Busch. Uh, notables, um, Blaney right there at 11, Ross at 12. I do want to call it Ross being at 12 because last time we were at Darlington, I had a lot of conviction for Ross because I think I'd actually go back and look, but I think Ross was like third or fourth in my model. Notable that he's now 12th. Um, so I want to call that out. Uh, we got Bubba at 13, Bowman at 14, and Chase at 15. So um, some other playoff slash bubble drivers um, that could be in the mix as well and probably where we'll end the outright talk. Um, so when I compare the odds board to the model, um, the number one overall value is a not, guy, not a guy that I look at from an outright standpoint. He's ranked 22nd in the model, but he's 28th on the odds board. So he does come out as the biggest value is Justin Haley, uh, which I thought was interesting, <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to be betting Justin Haley. But after that, uh, we do have a multitude of guys tied for like a plus three in value. And those guys, actually, I'm going to say that I'm going to table that conversation for when we talk about the outright odds work because it'll be pretty quick. Interesting. This is really exposing me as someone who doesn't really bet props because uh, I, Justin Haley was just a complete curveball. I can't, I can't really remember the last time Justin Haley was relevant in a race. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, I think it might be partly skewed because he's showing a 10th and average finish, but that's because he had like a top five or top seven finish here in the, in the spring because we had all those late wrecks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I do so, remember. Showing show up late, yeah. Him yeah, and Stenhouse, right? Stenhouse kind of is actually Harrison Burton. Uh, Stenhouse was running top ten, but he spun late because we had a top ten on. That's why I thought about. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. It was yeah. It was Burton and Haley. Okay, that that makes a bit more sense. Um, but the good news is Pavana doesn't have top ten on top yet, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. not going to top me into just Bailey top ten quite yet. Uh, might maybe if he shows some speed in practice, we can we can revisit this uh, topic. But yeah, I think this is a race where, like, I mean contrary to a week ago where you could literally make a case for anyone from 10 to one to 40 to one on the odds board, like the top 20 names listed on the odds board, you can make a legit case. They can win the, uh, the Coke zero 400 in Daytona. Um, I think Darlington does a really good job of separating the half from the half knots. And that's why I think as like a race fan, I like going to those type of races because you can see the difference of cars as you know, once, once cars hit that 20, 25, 30 lap mark uh, out on, out on tires and, and have that green bag extended green flag run. Um, I mean, Chris and I were just able to point out the best cars just from the eye test without any um, telemetry or anything like that. So it's, it's a, it's a race that I really like betting on because it, it tends to be pretty green flag heavy, uh, not a lot of wrecks. It feels like at, at Darlington. So um, whenever you get those extended green flag runs, the cream tends to rise uh, to the top. So interested to hear, obviously Chris's leans, because I think there's probably half a dozen guys that, um, all would make a lot of sense to me. And now uh, we get to the odds board on Tuesday night and have to figure out kind of who to cut and who to bank on uh, for the week. So we'll start at the very top of the odds board uh, with a poll setter when we were there back in May. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. won the poll, dominated that race for the better part of stage one and maybe half a stage two before uh, him and Chastain got involved with it a bit of an instant. And I think Truex was pretty much done for the day uh, in terms of a, from a contending standpoint. Uh, but he now sits at the top of the odds board uh, as a regular season champion and now 5-1, to one, excuse me, to win the first playoff race. Uh, he is then joined by Hendrick teammates Kyle Larson and William Byron. William Byron obviously won the Darlington race in May. Uh, Larson was running, uh, was in the lead with about 20 laps to go before a late caution. Um, 
kind of pseudo ended his day alongside of a, a scuff up with uh, the, the one car there. Uh, so they are both seven to one, the HMS guys, the five and the 24. And then obviously Denny Hamlin, number one, Chris's model. Um, Darlington, really, really phenomenal Dar- Darlington track record. Eight to one on the odds board. Um, and I feel like just based on pure value, a, a really, really interesting uh, name to talk about. So I'll, I'll cut it off there. Those, those would be the four favorites, I think, for anyone um, that's handicapping this race. I mean, I know Chris's model might have one guy that's butted inside the top five ahead of Larson, but if you would have just asked me before this episode started, I would have said, yeah, the two JGR guys and the two HMS guys would be the, the ones leading the pack most more than likely. So when it comes to the 18, or I'm sorry, when it comes to the 19, the 11, the 5, and the 24, do you have any legit leans here on Tuesday nights um, based on the prices right now? Or is this one maybe that we want to flush out as Saturday uh, comes around and the week develops a bit further? Yeah, I think um... – Denny Hamlin eight to one is is very very interesting. Not I mean not only is he number on the model, uh, I was just taking a look at this right before we started. I was like, all right, how far ahead of like for instance Truex, right? Like Truex is the favorite. How far ahead of my model is he? He's almost two and a half points in the model ahead of of, of Hamlin. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a guy that is is first in average finish not only in twenty twenty three but in the next gen era at these tire code slash similar track style tracks. Um, he's second in drive rating and second average finish, uh, over the last eight races here. And he's first in average finish over his career at, at Darlington. Uh, you add in the facts, um, that he is also third in total speed, um, in the next gen era, fourth in total speed, uh, in 2023 and then fourth in loop data. There's a lot speaking to his name and the fact that he is two, three points cheaper than all these other guys. And there's actually... Uh, the other book that me and Ian like to frequent, they are currently hanging a plus 875 number. Um, it's hard for me to not start the card here, Ian. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, so three and a half units, Denny Hamlin, it's already in. Uh, it's it's not – It has. it's been a while since we've put a bet like this in earlier in the week, but I uh, I feel pretty convicted here, to be honest with you. And and it's I, I went back and forth on it because I feel like he really wasn't a factor in the spring, and I, I kind of went back to kind of look at that to see, like, what was the case. But – he actually did have pretty good speed. Practice speed was also good. Uh, I went to iFantasy Race. I looked at the asterisk mark report, um, and he actually got into the wall uh, in stage one, and that kind of that kind of trashed his race, right? So that's all it took was just in that high lane, um, you know, scrape every car a little bit, and he wasn't really able to, really able to recover. So um, he also qualifies really well. He ranks as the third best in qualifying at these tracks. Um, so, and I think. I think he qualified in the poll at Pocono, right? Yep, Pocono and Kansas. He had the poll. Um, so two comp slash tire code tracks. So um, yeah. yeah, Denny, I feel really, really good about. Um, I, I really can't poke holes in these other three guys either, though. To be honest with you, like Larson, you know, I feel like Larson. I want Larson to prove me wrong this week because I feel like Larson. He's really good at this track type. He's been very close to winning here. I think he's got like second, third, third, second over the last like four races outside of the spring race here. Um, he, you know, when you're, anytime you're at a high tire track, we got to find clean, tr- uh, clean track or, or um, different lanes to use. Larson's one of the best at doing it. Arguably should have won this in the spring. If it wasn't for the one UPS car getting in his way. Um, you know, I think Larson's good. It's just, has he really, have we really seen the race win- winning speed in the last month or two? And I think by looking at the last six races, drive rating, it kind of tells the story, right? He's actually 12th in driver in the last six races. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that Larson 
should be seven to one. Um, I actually feel a little bit better about Byron. Byron's got the better average finish, the better um, drive rating over the last six races, the better total speed loop data. I mean, Byron is, is very good at Darlington and, you know, he may not have the fastest car in the spring, but he was able to survive long enough to get it done. This is a long race. We got 500 miles to go. So you've got to avoid as many mistakes as you can. Uh, and Byron, man, but that pit crew, I think is, is obviously deadly. Um, yeah. And then we haven't even talked about the favorite, right? Martin Truex. I think if, if we see no cautions in the spring and they're able to just go green flag racing the entire time. Martin Truex, I think, wins this race by about 18 seconds. Like, he laps the entire field, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like this is this is not me saying that I don't think any of these guys are not going to be good. I'm not going to fade any of these guys by any means. I just think based on price and kind of what the model's telling me, I, I think Denny's the pick. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. I like the fact that Denny's odds, I think, have room to improve over the course of the week where, you know, you let you just alluded to the, the qualifying numbers. We know Denny is capable of pulling it at a, at a track like Darlington. And all of a sudden, I, I feel like his price is pretty much only due to the fact that he struggled here in the spring, um, yeah. which I was, that was my first question that I, I didn't even realize he got into the wall uh, on that Sunday, but I remember like being there and like, we all, I don't think we had Denny on the car, but we all kind of expected Denny to be there like at the end. Uh, he just kept kind of kept falling back as the, as the day went on. Um, so clearly there's some damage, something wrong with that 11 car, but he's certainly, um, he's certainly proven over the course of his career. He's, he's good at this type of track and, and, and comparable track types. So, uh, to get a plus save 75 on, again, if we expect Truex to practice and qualify well, like we would certainly expect Danny to do the same. Uh, those guys are typically in, in kind of lockstep on Saturday whenever one's good, you know, you can expect the other guy to be right there up at the top of the grid as well. So, um, I wouldn't handicap these guys too much differently in terms of their like pole odds. So the ability for to get Hamlet at plus 875 and maybe at three and a half units have some room to, you know, fit Truex into the card. If he were to slide down to the six, seven to one range, I'm not sure uh, what obviously the future holds in terms of the clicks you've made. Um, but with three and a half units, it, it doesn't preclude us from picking another top dog. If maybe um, if the numbers call for it on the weekend. So yeah, good analysis there underneath 10 to one. Uh, with the top four there, but still plenty of guys that I think will carry some interest uh, to varying degrees here as we get past 10 to one uh, Kyle Bush, Ross Jastain, Christopher Bell, I would say are the three kind of, I mean, according to odds makers, the three that are most likely to topple this kind of top four that we built of uh, the HMS and JGR guys with Kyle Bush uh, being 11 to one, Ross Jastain, 11 to one, uh, Christopher Bell at 12 to one. So I know C Bell was number four in your model. Um, funnily enough, probably the least interest of the three guys um that are listed i don't know um but i'm i'm just uh yeah curious to know kind of what what led you to the 20 uh being kind of above the five in your modeling and um obviously just some overall thoughts on the eight and the one so christopher bell is he actually shocked me when i actually went back and looked at this um because like you said like fourth of the model is a lot better than than i anticipated but if we think back to the spring, Seabell uh, was actually really fast. Like, he had a good car. He worked his way up to second late in that race when Larson was leading, and then he had to come back an extra time down pit lane for a loose lug nut. Um, so, yeah, you're right. He also, I mentioned Denny being third in the qualifying model. Christopher Bell is first. Um, so, Christopher Bell on Saturdays has pinned out for us quite a bit. I could see us placing another qualifying bet on Christopher Bell this weekend. Um, he also just, yeah, in general at this, at this style of track has actually been uh, a little better than I thought. 
Um, seventh in total speed uh, in 2023, seventh in the next-gen era, fifth in driver rating, and fifth uh, in the loop data just at Darlington over the last three years. But here's the thing that really got me to thinking like, man, I almost went full outright on Christopher Bell because I just happened to come across a tweet from Bob Puckers that Christopher Bell and Ty Gibbs are switching pit crews. Yep. That's a pretty big deal because Ty Gibbs, if everyone remembers back to North Wilkesboro, Ty Gibbs had the best pit crew for, for that weekend when they did the pit crew challenge. Um, they've, they've been a really a bunch of solid guys. Then he actually talked about in his podcast as well about how the 54 team, uh, they just have a lot of solid vets, like the guys that are, they're not like new to the scene. They've been on the scene for a while. And obviously JGR felt strongly enough to swap those two teams to give the better, the playoff team, the better pit crew. Um, so Although I'm not going in on the outright market, I do think I will be looking at the top five market for Christopher Bell. Um, but I'm not opposed to the outright because if we're going to be betting on number one, the qualifying model, and number one, then um, we should see his price drop. I think Christopher Bell could very much be in the, in the picture for a guy we consider come Saturday night, Sunday morning. Um, Ross, on the other hand, I, I already kind of alluded to the fact that I think this is the race that they need to be circling. Um, you know, fourth and total speed um, at this style track um, in the next gen era, fourth and drive rating at Darlington and very much had probably the fastest or second fastest car here in the spring. But this is like the, what, what have you done for me lately? Right. I, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in that team right now. And although they, although they need to be circle on this one, they don't have the qualifying either to back it up. Um, I don't really know how the pit crews ranks. So Ross is actually probably a fade candidate for me, uh, yeah. which sounds crazy with how well he performed here in the spring, but that was just so long ago. I mean, we're talking, what, three months ago, three and a half months ago, um, before we've even seen him, like, in contention. So, yeah, I think Ross is my least favorite of this group. Kyle, I think, is is another guy that needs to probably be circling this week. I think this is the best track for him out of these three. Bristol's probably another one that's good for him. Kansas is kind of middle of the pack. But I think what Kyle needs to focus on is Kyle needs to focus on like the inconsistency. Like you can't have a 35th place finish in the playoffs and expect to move on. Um, this eight team, though, eight, this eight team has ran really, really well here at Darlington between last year with Reddick and this year with um, Kyle Busch. Uh, and then Kyle Busch has a inc- pretty incredible track record uh, at Darlington as well. So, um, I mean, we're talking to the tune of, of second drive rate and first in loop data for the last three years. So, uh, I think Kyle's scary, but the inconsistency, I don't think, is going to get it done for him here. So of this range, Christopher Bell is, is by far my favorite, actually, which kind of flips the script on you. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I, I genuinely did not remember the fact that he was – I mean, if that race would have run green the last 20 laps, like Bell was the guy that was – the only guy that was probably going to catch Larson, if anyone was, because uh, Bell – I don't think was catching. <laughs> no one was catching him, but, I mean, Bell passed Chastain under green uh, yeah. before he had the, the troubles on pit road, so – um, yeah, Bell and Larson run one, one, two. For some reason, that completely escaped me. Uh, I was more, um, I guess I was more caught up with the recency bias of like how many times this guy like screwed up chances down the stretch to win. Um, but I guess he's routinely shown speed more so than the eight or the one. Uh, you're absolutely right about Ross. He's he's getting priceless as, he, as if he's like an actual, um, predictable commodity at this point, like as if he's like something that like is bankable at this point. And like it wouldn't surprise me at all to see that one team just be kind of completely irrelevant, but it also wouldn't surprise me to see him like, you know, pull it. And all of a sudden he's like seven to one. So it's, it's a tough move to make on a Tuesday uh, without any kind of knowledge, because I think 
I think there's just such a wide range of outcomes to the Rosses. There kind of has been for the last few months now. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, you've definitely turned me on that, to be honest with you. I, like I said, completely forgot, even though I was in attendance, completely forgot Seabell was actually in the mix um, down the stretch there. So let's move on into the mid-teens, uh, of which there's five drivers, kind of from 15, 16 to 1 here, uh, starting with Kevin Harvick, which is a bit surprising um, here at Jollington. I, I know he won here in 2020, but that was quite a long time ago. I don't remember. Uh, maybe he's getting propped up by his his start on the final – or his place in the final restart. He, he started second um, beside Byron, never really gave the 24 a run on that NASCAR overtime restart. Uh, but he sits here at 15 to one in the outright market on Tuesday nights. Tyler Reddick uh, also coming in at 15 to one. Brad Keselowski at 16 to one. Chase Elliott, 16 to one. And Joey Logano at 16 to one. Um, so I would be kind of surprised at this point, just judging by the modeling, if you're particularly enticed, I guess Reddick would be your main lean. Um, but is there anyone here you're even tempted by on Tuesday night, 15, 16 to one outright as a guy, maybe who could, who could leapfrog the you know a couple of tiers and, and become maybe a race day favorite um for the nice saturday i think the only guys that are probably interested in this range are i think you you call out reddick like, i think i'm very much interested in reddick um you could i could be convinced on joey logano um and i could be convinced on harvick in a prop scenario um the reason i say harvick is because 500 miles. It's a long race. There's no one better that knows how to manage a race than Kevin Harvick. And his finishes kind of show that, actually. I mean, yeah. I- I'm currently staring at his finishes at Darlington for the last, I mean, 10 years. Uh, he's got one finish worse than th- worse than ninth. So, I mean, literally, sec- literally second, second, 33rd, fourth, fifth, sixth, first, third, first, fourth, fourth, ninth, second, fifth, first, fifth. I mean, just like the ultra consistent guy here at, at Darlington. So um, I think we should be able to probably get a, a favorable number on him in the prop market at some, uh, in some capacity, but to win the race seems a little, I don't think 15 to one is the right price for him. <laughs> um, Reddick though, Reddick, I mean, you called it right. He's six in my model. Um, I, I think he he's similar to the other Toyotas. I think I expect him to qualify well. Um He's, oh gosh, where is he in the qualifying model? He is 10th in the qualifying model. So, you know, not not good, but not bad. Yeah. Um, when you talk about average finish and driver rating, he's fourth in average finish, ninth in driver rating over the last uh, three years here, sixth in, in uh, average finish over his career. So, you know, again, is it race winning speed? I don't know. But, th- but at the same time, like we've seen Reddick have the fastest car plenty of times just can't quite finish get to the finish line. So yeah, uh, this is another guy that I think similar to Kyle Busch, like we need to see consistency mm-hmm. of like finishing races before we can really trust, trust him in the outright market. Um, Brad, no chase chase has a actually pretty surprising um, on the comp tracks, not necessarily Darlington, but on the comp tracks, he's second average finish over this year and last year um so that's that was surprising to see um but again like how much stock do we really actually no hold on i'm gonna retract that statement i was gonna say how much stock do we actually put into hendrick focusing a lot of resources in this car but the car actually made it into the owner's championship points correct um over bubba's so i'm gonna retract that i think chase you know i wouldn't be surprised he i remember when we went to this race in the spring looking at his numbers and loving his practice numbers coming into the race so chase is somebody i think 
could very well, I could be very well convinced on. Yeah, Joey's an interesting case though, right? Because um, we're talking about 18th in total speed at the comp tracks this year, but he loved Darlington, like third in average finish, fourth in driver rating. So this is like a course horse scenario of like, again, do I think he's going to win? Probably not. But if you're if you're the 22 team looking at the, well, the year you've had, you've kind of got to go for it. Uh, so I think 16. Oh, sorry, I think it's a 21. 16 to one is is it's probably correct. I think it's probably the right number. But I think people will probably catch the book sleeping here uh, and, and 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 get a live number on him because even if he doesn't qualify well, Joey among anybody knows how to how to get through the field and make it to the front at these type of races. So. Yeah, I guess the the moral story is here. I'm not really interested in a lot of guys in this range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of to be expected with you know four guys under eight to one. It's it take up a lot of the projected win equity. But um, yeah, I don't know. I can't really speak to Joey's Darlington history because uh, I'm not as well versed in what his results have been through the years. But I don't know if this is like the type of track where like Paul Wolf can just MacGyver his way to the front. You know, I feel like you just kind of have to have it here especially yeah. when you're up against the HMS and the JGR guys and some of the other guys we expect to be fast. Um, I mean, Logano, you, you mentioned he's got some good history around Darlington, 14th in total speed here in the, in the spring, so didn't exactly show a ton. You just don't – we just haven't seen anything of this Penske camp um, unless he, he was popping in like some kind of qualifying model where you expect him maybe to start out front and he could just hang himself around. Um, but I don't know. I got, yeah, he, he beat Byron in the spring here in 2021. 2022 he beat uh, him right right well he had the <laughs> he had the faster car um he did he did he would have beat him eventually you know even even regardless of what the choice he made down there in turn two. um but yeah i don't know I, I just feel like this is this is not really a week to speculate too much unless like you just think there's an, a really really just outrageous price gap because uh yeah, you just have to have it in, in green flag uh, and the, these green flag runs. And I just feel like Logano has just proven time and time again that he, he can't really hang with these these guys at the very top, So, which is kind of the case for a lot of these guys at 16 to 1. That's yeah. why I'm pressed down here. So, um, But, yeah, I think to your point, Reddick is like one of those guys that I, I would not be surprised to see like duking it out with like a JGR or an HMS at like inside the top five. Um, so, yeah, I would – I would of these five guys, I would like – Reddick the most from an outright perspective, just because I could I could see him like out dueling and out gutting uh, the top dogs. Whereas like Logano, if he won this week, it would be it would be a pretty big shock. And the sixteen to one, it's just not good enough for enough for me to take that shot personally. So um, obviously, time will tell with practice and qualifying. And certainly, Logano has the type of history where if he does show speed on Saturday, then all of a sudden like you've got to make a real one eighty with your prognostication if he shows some speed there. But as of right now, on a, on a Tuesday. Um, I don't know if this is a spot for, for Penske to really turn it around. So that's just, that would be my viewpoint on it. Um, in particular, when you kind of go through into the next range we have here, the 20 to one range, uh, starting with Chris Busher, because Lowski's teammate who at this point, I don't really know why because priced above Busher. Like, I feel like at this point, Busher has earned enough respect to be priced ahead of Keselowski most weeks, maybe outside of a super speedway. Um, but we're still getting 20 to one at Darlington, which I was quite, um, interested to see what, what Busher's price would be kind of in these playoffs. And if he's going to hang around 20 to one, don't really mind that. Uh, I don't know about this track in general, but if this is the general spot on the odds board, he's going to have, it doesn't seem like books are really respecting the, the progress he's made over the last month and a half 20 to one in this field. 
Uh, Bubba Wallace, 25 to one. I know Chris is going to have some sort of interest there. Uh, I think we were on him in the, in the springtime. Uh, he's a 25 to one pre-race and then Ryan Blaney as well at 25 to one pre-race. I'll throw in Ty Gibbs, Austin Bowman and Eric Jones at 35 and 40 to one uh, kind of one step down from these guys. Cause I feel like that's kind of where the win equity dries up. Um, I don't anticipate you having a ton of interest in Suarez or, or Ricky Stenhouse to win. So uh, Busher, Bubba, Blaney. And then if you want to, uh, if you want to, you know, wax poetic a little bit about the Gibbs, Bowman, Jones, Wade, go right ahead. But uh, I'll leave it to you because I feel like from an, you know, all we have right now is not right odds board. And I feel like uh, this is the last range we really need to touch on in that market. Yeah, no, definitely agreed. And honestly, really, really only have one guy to talk about. And it's, it is Bubba Wallace. Um, I mean, I know that feels a little disrespectful to Chris Busher, but I mean, other than other than being first and drive rated and first and average finish over the last six races, you know, that's that's really kind of the only thing he's got going for him, you know, as far as the model's concerned. Um Blaney, Gibbs, Bowman, yeah, I just Eric Jones has good history, but do we trust him this year? No. Uh so yeah, obviously the the guy that I kind of skipped around here is Bubba. Um I think I think, like I said earlier, Bubba, I think needs to be circling this week and next week. I think probably next week more than this week. But considering how well they ran here in the spring, they were very much throwing blows with Martin Truex. Um, I think at points, I think Bubba probably had the quicker uh, short run speed. The Truex just had the better long run speed. Um, and then all it took was, you know, a pit road pit road error and Bubba's day was kind of over. But he still was able to like make his way back up to the field and I think still finished. I believe sixth, I think, or fifth. Um, so, yeah, a guy that I expect to qualify well. He's uh, second in, in average qualifying here over the last two years, third in average finish. I just think 25 to one is wrong, to be honest with you. I think he should be closer to 18 to one, you know, 15 to one, like with Reddick. Um, so, you know, to be, honest, to be honest with you, I am not opposed to like going a unit on, on Bubba two and a half on Bell and maybe two on Reddick and just going full Toyota. Like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the, the the range I've been kind of leaning on, but I do want to wait for just a little more practice numbers because, you know, I don't want to be fully invested on Toyota and then Chevy come out and blow it right out of the wire. They've just been waiting for the playoffs to start. So I think it's prudent to wait a little bit, but as of right now, yes, I am clicking the unit at 25 to one on, on bubble walls here, just because I think that he's going to qualify. Well, I really do think that he's this, this team has this track kind of figured out. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's pretty much what I expected. I saw Bubba actually one of the first numbers I looked for at twenty five to one. I feel like Darlington's one of those spots where we always kind of am circling twenty three eleven um, as again a team that can really duke it out with the with the big guns um, at a track like this. Um, I will say, I guess Busher's spot is. I mean, certainly Bristol because he won there last year, uh, and RFK has been very good on short tracks. He won at Richmond just a few weeks ago. Um, how would you rate Kansas as Busher? Because I feel like Michigan and Kansas aren't all that dissimilar to me, at least, just from like a pure racing standpoint. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a fucking novice, but um, I feel like Busher's win at win at Michigan, like all all of a sudden opens the door for like tracks like Kansas, where he, I think, maybe not to win, but at least to contend. Um, do you think? Do you anticipate like this? Do you think this 21 number is going to be fair as we move on to the next two weeks, or do you anticipate this number like? being a product of just this really poor Darlington history. And you think maybe he'll be in the Harvick range, uh, maybe Seabelt range as we get into the next couple weeks. I think, yeah. So I think 
Michigan and Kansas definitely are, are very more correlate corollary than than Darlington. Um, yeah. Darlington obviously ton more tire wear. Yeah. Um, it also has less of like a trial aspect to it. It's more of like a I don't know what you want to call that. More of a like an egg, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go, an egg. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then it's got uh, more banking than than both of them as well. So I um yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Chris Buescher, I've doubted him before, right? Um, and on the average, he's on the tire code tracks, he does have an average finish of 11th. So, you know, I think the big thing for him is, right, like he doesn't he doesn't really need to go out and win any of these races because he's got those 21 playoff buffer points. Like, yeah. he could legitimately finish 12th the next three weeks and he's fine. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, I think this is more of a point of just like the team just needs to do their job and get it done and, and not like – yeah. Do a, bubble Walsh, do a bubble wall stuff for the last like three weeks, just yeah, CB and just um, you know, hope the chips fall your way kind of there, but uh, yeah, definitely a bit of ad security there for the 17. And yeah, you're right, I don't think this is the week where you really want to go to overextend yourself on the 17 off of, off of a few weeks of momentum. Um, and yeah, so bubble 25 to one, uh, Hamlin at plus 875, uh, are the two clicks we've made as of right now, so that would leave us with about four units to play with, roughly, Chris. If I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken so still an opportunity to go to seven or maybe eight to one um on race day after practicing qualifying so um you know i mean feasibly unless like larson and byron and trucks just all separate themselves you would expect one of those guys to be there in that price range on sunday morning um seabell i think is another name we're, we're certainly looking at 12 to 1 pre-race but um you know, maybe looking for a bit more. Would, would Seabell be a guy you'd be willing to bet at eight to one if he starts on the front row and is one of the fastest cars on Saturday? Or you just kind of out on the outright market to Seabell. I know a couple people in the NASCAR industry kind of are out, just out of the outright. No, I think I think that that's pit crew swap is a bigger deal than you think. Okay. Um, so I, I I think I would be on Seabell if he does come out here and and pull it or even top five. I mean, the fact that he was able to make his way through the field in a race where nobody was really able to pass, I think it says a lot. So him, Larson, Chastain were like the only guys who were really able to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Him and Reddick, I think would be the two guys where we're keeping the closest eye on Saturday. Some of the practice splits, if they're, if they're, you know, running comparable times with the four guys we expect to be at the top, um, then that could be a signal for us to, to go ahead and make that move at um, maybe even a depressed price on the 20 or the 45, but otherwise, um, Chris, not a lot of nit to pick with uh, with the 19, with the five, and the 24. Uh, took the 11, obviously off of his track history. Been a pure value there at, at close to nine to one. We're able to get that number at so Hamlin and Bubba Wallace locked in at 875 and 25 to one respectively. Um, and then obviously stay tuned for um, for Chris's full card. He likes Harvick from a prop perspective, um, and then maybe a little bit of. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's about it. Harvick from perspective, and I don't know. We're gonna keep an eye on Logano. I don't know. I'm I might I'll be in his ear trying to talk him out of that one. <laughs> but um, but obviously Logano, uh, winning track record here historically Darlington. So maybe a guy to look at if he does show a bit of speed on um on Saturday. I feel like he's capable of winning the race. Um, he's one of those guys where I would like kind of never trust at this point, like an even money prop. But if you want to get paid out on Logano, if you think that he's gonna drastically exceed his expectations i think this is a good time of year to like maybe bet a top five or top three or maybe a win on logano just because he's just one of the guys that all of a sudden he's been shit all day and then he sneaks in 
to like the second row on the final restart. And like, where the hell is that 22 come from? He's been no, nowhere all day. So, all right. Well, I hope that was uh, obviously enough information for y'all on a Tuesday. Again, of course, uh, stay tuned this weekend for Chris's kind of full outright prop card um, on race day. And I'm sure he'll have a few poll bets that he alluded to uh, early in the week as well. So that's us signing off uh, for the first episode of the NASCAR playoffs here with flag hunting. Um, again, I'm interested. I'm already itching. I was already looking up Fortinet stats for <laughs> Silverado in a couple weeks. So I am ready to go. Um, even though I do appreciate the, the off week of a little bit less prep for the show, but uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's cash a couple tickets in NASCAR playoffs and uh, have some money for the start of the 2024 PGA season. Yep, agreed, guys. Let's do it. And like I said, uh, you know, stay tuned for really, we still have lots of play, like Ian said, we still have lots to play with come, come Saturday night, Sunday morning. So Toyota's the lean, but I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a Chevy sneak into the mix with, you know, Larson and Byron. So, um, yeah, with that being said, guys, let's enjoy the first round of the playoffs and let's, let's hit a winner to, to start out the round of 16. See you guys.